Good morning, everybody. <laughs> wow. Can we give it up for our worship team, please? That was fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I have a question for you guys. How many of us know that life does not go the way that we want to all the time? <laughs> if you don't know that, then God bless you. Because sooner or later, you're going to figure that out. <laughs> I feel like maybe this year, um, we've all kind of experienced this in, a, in one way, shape, or form. Where we've made plans, they've been canceled and or completely redirected. And so is it cool if I tell you guys a little bit of a, about a story, how some wrench got thrown into some plans that I had? Cool. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a backstory. If you guys don't know, cars and me don't really go together. Ever since I've been able to drive, I have had vehicles that have given me nothing but grief. My, <laughs> if you guys want a full course history, please make it a point with my sister because she has been a passenger in every single one of them. My first car was a 1997 Honda Civic and his name was Johan. Johan, because uh, much like the composer, um, every single time I would start the engine, a new symphony would arise every single time it would turn on. And so this car, unfortunately, the head gasket was blown. So one could say that I could have bought stocks in both coolant and oil because that thing was going through it like no tomorrow. And in the summer, because this thing, <laughs> here's the thing, I couldn't drive it for more than 30 minutes without it overheating on any day. Driving that thing in the summer was a whole other level of difficulty because if you got into my car, you were experiencing the heat of the equator because I had to have that heat cranked <laughs> all the time to counterbalance the fact that my engine was overheating. My second car, was a 1996 Honda Accord, and that thing gave me nothing but grief since day one. I had to replace the engine in it. Every single time you hit the lock button, a sound would erupt. It sounded like a screaming banshee. It'd go, Wee! Um, <laughs> The check engine light would never, ever turn off. Doesn't matter if I got the sensor reset. Nothing fixed it. I'm pretty sure the only thing that stayed fixed was the door handle that Chuck had broken and then fixed in my car because everything else undid itself momentarily. And now we have the gift that the Lord had given me. His name is Cooper. If you guys see me ripping around, it's my little 1999 Honda Accord Coupe. When I got that thing, God bless the people in my church because, man, sometimes, people, sometimes God puts people in your life to bring about blessing. And it's so awesome to see. Um, but a couple in the church had heard me moaning and groaning about how terrible my car was. And so they were like, you know what? We have no use for this vehicle anymore. We want to give it to you. And so they blessed me with this car. And it was as if I had entered into 2020. I had an alarm that worked. I had heated seats. I had a sunroof and a radio that wasn't going to give me any grief. It was beautiful. And after having lemons as vehicles for so long, Oh man, revival had come and my new baby was awesome. But, I was right. This summer, we experienced some difficulties. And uh, you know what? I thought that my days of having to call tow trucks, of having to call my dad, were over. <laughs> but this summer, right before school actually, um, there was a period of about three weeks where I feel like all the parts in my car decided to have a conference and tell each other that, you know what, today's the day that everything's going to combust. So my 
wheels needed aligned. I needed new tires. I needed my transmission fluid changed. All of a sudden, my dashboard started lighting up and things started to break. And I was like, God, what is going on? What is happening? I can't afford any of this, even with Trudeau, you know, the Serb thing. Even with that, I can't afford that. Everything is so expensive. And so, what do you do? When you're spending a lot of money anyways, you spend even more and you book a hair appointment because life is going to the pits. And so, if you guys don't know Miss Annie Lynn, Annie Lynn Wave, hello. She came and lived with my family this summer and it was an awesome time. And she and I decided that we were going to book our hair appointment because life seemed a little bit unbearable. And so, we were on our way to a hair appointment and it had been about three days, three beautiful days. There was nothing wrong with my vehicle. The sun was shining. The birds were singing. We were jamming and vibing in the car. And uh, turned the car on, went to go to the nail salon that I went to the day before because I had left my ring there. This ring is super important, so I needed it. And so pulled into the stall, went inside, grabbed my ring, and then... Annie Lynn was like, oh, we should probably get a Starbucks. I'm like, oh, yeah, we probably should. That would be nice. Have a little Starbucks, pull up to our little hair appointment, you know, the finer things in life. And, <laughs> and what ended up happening was that I turned my car on. Everything was fine. Put it in reverse, as one does. And I started to pull out on a diagonal way. And then everything stopped working. The entire car seized. And I... God bless Annie Lynn, but she must have seen the smoke coming out of my ears because I thought that the long night of car troubles was over. But oh my Lord, was I wrong. So not only was my car not moving, I couldn't even kick the thing into park or anything. Everything had seized up. But I was blocking <laughs> traffic both ways in one of the busiest complexes in Cloverdale. You guys don't know where Cloverdale is. It's in Surrey. but. Um, and on that particular morning, it seemed as if the entirety of the complex was completely full. And so when I was diagonal, there was a line of cars behind me and a line of cars in front of me. And all those people, of course, wanted to get by, but they could not. And so I put on my four ways as one does. I call my dad because that's what you do when you don't know what's going on. And everybody started to honk and yell at me. I had people who came up to me tried to tell me what's what. You know those people who, like, they mean the best intentions and they think that they're trying to help and in essence, they also make the situation kind of worse? Yeah, that's what basically happened. I had people coming up to me trying to tell me what's what. And poor Annie Lynn, she's like, I'm just going to go get this Starbucks right now if that's okay. <laughs> and then comes back in and she sees me losing my mind. <sighs> Isn't it funny that when sometimes in life we think that we're going to go someplace Something happens, whether it's life or God, and we get course corrected. Needless to say, Annie and I didn't get our hair done until much later. <laughs> but, you know, in that moment, it's so funny how when everything seems to be going wrong, one can take a look at the sky, you know, existentially, and start questioning all the good things that God has brought into your life. Start questioning, where are you? Why aren't you here? But stuff happens. Plans get wrecked, they get changed. Things that you didn't expect to happen, they happen. And isn't it funny that we can see examples of stuff like this happen in the Bible? If there has been anyone, I think, in the Bible who has lived one of the most buck wild lives 
ever. It's our good friend, Paul. <laughs> Paul, before his encounter with Jesus, he belonged to um, a gang called the Pharisees. <laughs> no one, no one liked them, yo. No one liked the Pharisees at all. In fact, Acts 9 tells us that he was the one who was breeding threats and murder against the disciples of Lord Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he thought that he was God's gift to this earth. He thought that he had his life on track and that he was doing the Lord a great service of persecuting Christians. And then on the road to Damascus, homeboy has a radical encounter with God and God takes his life and he's like, "Uh uh-uh, we're going to go this way. We're going to go this way. And how many of us know that sometimes when God takes us out of where we thought we were going and places us into the place where we're supposed to be going, life does not get any easier. In fact, sometimes it seems like our stuff, our troubles, they keep happening more frequently. They get more intense. Some would say even highlighted. (laughs) But our problems don't disappear because we're followers of Jesus Christ. Am I right? It's funny because in 2 Corinthians, there's a portion of scripture that is actually uh, entitled Paul's Sufferings as an Apostle. And it lists everything that that man went through, minus the emotional agonies that he probably could have gone through. And I don't know about you guys, but if I had a half a chapter written about all the stuff that I've gone through in one of the most influential books in human history, I think that I would bury myself in the backyard and never come out. (laughs) So, Paul lived through literal hell, guys. He was beaten. He was imprisoned, shipwrecked. He was stoned. He also lived during the time of a a tyrant, an emperor called Nero. And Nero kind of likened Christians flaming on a stick to tiki torches in his backyard. He would light them up, and uh, that is how he would um, entertain guests, was torturing followers of Jesus. And so... Paul lived during a tumultuous time in history. He was scared. I don't even know how the, how the brother opened his eyes sometimes, because I know that I wouldn't. And yet, in the book of Philippians, Paul is in prison, and he has the audacity to pen down one of the most famously known verses I think you guys all know, Philippians 4.13. And, you know, we say, I can do all things your God is trained me. Uh-huh. But, you know, it isn't until our life gets raked over the coals that stuff like that actually has a little bit of meaning to us. He had the audacity to say, you know what, God? I, it's not on my strength that I get up and I go and do what you have called me to do. It's by your strength that I carry on and that I have the strength every single day to get up. Because out there, I don't know what's going to happen, but you do. I feel like for me personally in this season, life has been a little bit unrelenting. Um, And I don't know if that's for you guys as well. Sometimes I feel like life is insurmountable and I don't know what is going to come next. Sometimes I think that we wake up and we don't know how to put one foot in front of the other because everything is just weighing so heavily on us. Maybe this is you. Maybe you guys didn't envision your life where you guys are right now. Some of you guys probably never thought that your mental health would stoop this low. 
some of you guys used to get good grades and then life happens and then seems to get degrees. Am I right? Some of you thought that y'all would be married by now. The white picket fence, a dog and a house. Here you are, single as ever. <laughs> if I can be completely honest with you guys, I never thought I would be standing in front of you with a back injury and facing infertility issues that I have been recently diagnosed with. And that stuff is hard. I don't know what's going to happen. I have no clue what the end result is, but I know that God does. And aren't you guys so glad that we serve a God that doesn't sit up in the heavens, tunes into our telenovela at like 7 p.m. and like watches it as watches us as some like juicy reality TV show. Instead, he comes and he picks us up out of the mud and he sets our foot feet on solid ground and he puts a new song in our mouths instead of the negative track that we have been proclaiming over our lives. God is still good. And he is so faithful to see through you through whatever you guys might be facing, whether that's loneliness, whatever mental illness you might be walking through, whatever financial crisis you guys might be walking through, whatever family stuff you guys might be walking through. He is faithful and he will see you guys through to the end. And so we can be encouraged that just like Paul and so many after him who faced literal hell on earth and who were still committed to the cause of Christ and committed to this uprooting, this digging up, this handing over of what their life, of what life, of what they thought life would be like. And they say, no, I'm going to give it to you, God, and I'm going to follow you through my struggles. <sighs> and this is where feisty prayers come in, guys. When we come to the end of ourselves, that's when the real gutsy prayers start happening. I think of the prayer covenant that we, uh, that Gavin read over today. It is, Jesus, be the Lord of my life today in new ways. Change me any way you want. That's an audacious prayer. That is handing over control. That's acknowledgement saying that, yeah, God, I'm done trying to take the reins. I'm going to give it to you. Meet me in new ways in my life. Be Lord over my life. I am not Lord. You are. So guys, take heart. He sees you. And above all else, he is the one, not your roommate, not your family, not anybody on this campus, not anybody in the world who knows exactly what you're going through. And so, is it cool if I invite the band back up? We're going to go back into God, I Look to You. And I feel like this song is about taking a position to have our gaze solely fixed on the one who knows what to do in the toughest of circumstances. He will see us through despite whatever we might be facing, whatever insurmountable thing that you're looking at, he will see us through to the end. And that's powerful. So will you guys stand with me and let's sing with a wee bit of gusto this morning and proclaim this over our lives? <laughs> 